today we're going to be talking, I guess, a mix of politics and current events. And I'm Danielle Duran, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Alan Morales. I'm Vanessa Mora. Maria Leander. And today we have a special guest. I'll let him introduce himself. I'm Dr. Robert Velez. I'm a member of the faculty in the political science department. Very, very good. So today, <laughs> thank you. So today, I guess we're gonna just kind of like start discuss. You know. Yeah, we're just gonna have a discussion today, and I know Alan was the one who invited our special guest today. Yeah. So I guess you could start us off, Alan, with whatever you want to ask. Put in the the pressure. Me. <laughs> um, I like to know how does um, a student, like a college student, get involved in the you know elections. And like the state elections that are coming up? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, I mean, it's a pretty big election. Uh, there are some historical trends that tend to happen. And this is what we call a midterm election because the president is not on the ballot. Mm -hmm. His name's not on the ballot. <laughs> uh, so, some would argue that his policies are at least indirectly on the ballot. Um, <clears throat> in Texas specifically, though, we have a big... U.S. Senate race that's getting lots of national attention. Um, in fact, there was a big CNN town hall last night with the, the congressman from El Paso, Beto O'Rourke, who's running against the incumbent Republican Ted, Senator Ted Cruz, who's running for re-election. Uh, they both went into Congress together uh, in 2012, uh, Beto into the uh, U.S. House and Senator Cruz into the U.S. Senate. Um, Unless you were living under a rock for the last two years, you know that our junior senator, Senator Cruz, ran for president also. Um, and that has become somewhat of a campaign issue in that race. Uh, his presence for Senate business. Um, and the, quite frankly, Beto O'Rourke also, who's been running for this position, even he said last night about for about 21 months. So that's almost two years. Uh, and if you've paid any attention to current events, you know, he's going to all the counties, he's doing a lot of driving, yeah, holding a lot of town halls, which is very labor intensive uh, to do that kind of what uh, those of us in the business would call shoe leather or retail politics, going out, shaking hands, talking to people in their communities, things like that. So sure. it's very labor intensive. So he's missed some of his job in the, in the U.S. House, too. So it's, um, you know, how much of an issue that'll be, we'll, we'll see, the voters will get to decide in just about uh, two weeks. Mm -hmm. Although early voting starts on Monday. So yes. if you are registered to vote, uh, you can go to your county and cast an early ballot as early as Monday. And how, how can students get involved in elections? Boy, um, the first thing would be register and vote if, if you're able to. Um, obviously, we don't presently anyway allow non-citizens to vote, uh, especially in national elections. But um, as I have said, and you may hear me say this in class too, uh, a lot of government and politics, the heavy lifting is done between elections. I mean, election day is one day, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just one day and there's a lot of build up to it. And then sometimes you can feel like, oh, I'll just, it's like falling off a cliff and then you got to wait for the next election. But there's lots of stuff that can be done. Uh, politically or as a community engaging the community between elections and that's where a lot of the heavy lifting is done people that go to city council meetings people that go to um, uh, provide input to their elected officials mm -hmm. uh, in either in person or on email or uh, by showing up to uh, city council meetings county board meetings things like that so there's plenty of opportunities to get involved um, one great start is uh, identifying what issues are important to you uh, and then finding a candidate or an agency or maybe even a political party uh, that you can get involved in so that you can get the issues that are important to you to hopefully become front, front and center. Well, um, I remember this in class that we went through what mattered to us. Mm -hmm. But most of the things that the representatives put out don't even touch on the things that we care. They, I don't, I don't know if it's because they want to get my attention, my vote, or whatever it is. But they just don't touch on the things I care. So how can I know, like, I'm voting for you or for you? They don't show anything. Yeah, well, and uh, campaigns have different focuses, uh, or mm -hmm. foci, if we want to use the right uh, <laughs> terminology or vernacular foci. 
Um, what you see on the television and what you might hear in a debate, uh, that's certainly not the whole of what's involved in someone who serves in public office. And sometimes it requires a little bit more research on the part of the voter. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find a candidate running for federal or state or even local office that doesn't have a social media presence, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or some other way, uh, that doesn't have a website that says, contact us, click on this, or send us this form. Uh, and you can, on those websites also, sometimes on the social media, they'll have a, a, a section specifically for issues. Um, and so if you, for, say, uh, for example, say you find yourself curious about the Libertarian Party, which is another one of the, they're a minor party in Texas, but the candidates will be on the ballot in November uh, for governor, for Senate. Um, you could go to their website, look at the issues. You say, I'm curious about the Libertarian Party, but it doesn't appear that your campaign addresses this issue. Maybe it's education, maybe it's... Um, uh, transportation. Transportation, infrastructure, whatever. Uh, that would be a great opportunity for you to exercise your citizenship <laughs> muscles, or, you know, or at least even if you're not a, a, a citizen, uh, you're a, a stakeholder mm -hmm. in the community. Uh, and these individuals, unless they don't want to win, <laughs> generally want to hear from people who are going to be involved. Mm -hmm. So reaching out to them saying, I'm curious about your campaign, but I don't see how you've addressed my, my issue is legalization of marijuana. My issue is Pell Grants for students. My issue is whatever, uh, transportation, public transport. So, well, there's a question for all of you. Do you think if their campaign changed more to what they really are going to do instead of just getting our attention? Like, I know better. It's like going out and into communities, getting their attention that, hey, I, I exist. But you think if they put out more of the information about their um, agenda, uh, like in the news, would it... It, will it benefit us or would it harm us? Because I know right now we have to do research. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that's the best thing because a lot of people don't like research. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, look, uh, and one of the things we're going to talk, I don't want to promote my class too much, but one of the things we're going to talk about uh, on mon Monday, Monday is political participation and voting. Mm -hmm. And that participation and voting, it's not a cost-free activity. You know, maybe it doesn't cost you money. It costs I mean, time. If you got to drive to the polls, okay, you can say gas money, all right, something like that. But it costs time, brain power, and investment in ideas. Um, so uh, it, it's not a cost-free activity. Um, and you also have to keep in mind, especially with these, I guess you could call it a high-stakes race. There's only uh, each state only gets two senators, and only one of them is up this year. So that individual is part of a group of 100 of 99 others in the US Senate. Um, and so as far as they're, they're generally in their campaign going to highlight the things that inspired them to run or, or something that they see as a need uh, of the their future constituency. So they hope, right? They hope to get elected. Um, and that's why I say the, the heavy lifting, once they're in office, you know, maybe their top three issues didn't include yours. That's why you stay engaged. You make sure that they understand that you are following their activity. Uh, and you can do that a number of ways. You can do that by reaching out to them on social media or uh, writing a letter to the editor of the paper. You know, My elected official said he was going to take some action on education. And he's been in there six months. I haven't heard anything about it. Um, this issue should be important to us in a community where there's a large uh, state university. And um, I'd like to know from the candidate or from the now elected official what they plan on doing. Do they have any plans to take efforts to push a particular issue uh, that's important to me? Or, or at least tell me how you really feel about a particular issue. Uh, sometimes they're trying to, I mean, they, the campaigns are designed for a general audience. So the, the television commercials that you see, uh, uh, maybe the mailers you get, uh, there it's designed for a general audience. But when they come to a university, then all of a sudden they're talking about education and uh, Pell Grants and, and things mm -hmm. like that. So it's important to keep the pressure on. Uh, democracy is not easy. I mean, it's, it, 
takes work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you're, well, I'm doing my duty. I'm going to go vote. And then, you know, they're lucky to get that from me. Well, uh, as we talked about in class, you know, we're the government. So we get to decide. Uh, if we want an issue to stay on the agenda, we have to be persistent. Bring it up. Like and, it. and we don't win all the time. We talked about that too, right? You can put in the effort and you can talk to your neighbors and you can do a podcast and you can <laughs> to do petitions. And sometimes you fall just short uh, of, of, of accomplishing the ultimate goal. But you never stop. You have to keep moving. You know? Try it's it's kind of like a, a good analogy that I would use would be uh, if you're walking on an escalator, but you're walking up while it's coming down, if you stand still, you don't stay in the same place, you go down. Mm -hmm. But if you keep walking, you know, you maintain your position. If you wanna move further up to the top, you have to walk a little bit faster, a little bit more activity. Mm -hmm. So I, I think democracy works that way. Okay, I know you mentioned that to, to be able to vote, you have to be a US citizen. Mm -hmm. Like, What happened to people like us that were DACA recipients, but we wanna like get involved? Because when it comes to elections, like sometimes I feel like invisible to mm. to do something like about it since I'm not like eligible to vote. What can we do to get involved? Well, there are other uh, means of communication mm -hmm. than just simply voting. All right. Um, again, part of it is between elections, uh, talking to your neighbors, asking them what what is of interest to them, or or sharing with them why an issue that's important to you is important to you, okay. and how it maybe it is important to them too. Uh, there is nothing preventing uh, someone who happens to not be in a full-fledged American mm -hmm, citizen yes. from reaching out to their elected officials. They mm -hmm. serve the community. They don't just serve people who happen to be United States citizens. They're serving our state. They're serving our community. So um, reaching out and, and a vote is one mechanism, uh, but there's lots of things that happen between elections uh, that can affect whether or not they get to stay in their job. Yeah. You know, um, mm -hmm. certainly the only time we can throw them out or, or, or fire them is during an election. But um, by maintaining contact with them and maintaining contact with their organization, uh, they're aware that there's more to their job than just making sure that they get 50% plus one of the votes. Yes. You know, um, that they are a public servant, that they work for us. We don't work for them. Um, and I think... We need to remind them of that often, you know, and tell them, don't, don't forget, I, you know, don't expect it for me to treat you like a rock star. Uh, you know, sometimes they expect that, right? Yeah, for yeah. Me. Yes, well, I pay your salary. They love that. Right? They love that. I pay your salary. Which you do. Uh, whether you're a citizen or not, you're paying their salary. You buy things. You're paying their salary. <laughs> you know? So you have every right. All of us within the community have every right to make demands on the, the government that we're part of, whether we're a citizen or not. That's the way I feel about it. Okay. And I know like the campus has done, like I guess, uh, has played a role in terms of getting students registered to vote because I know I registered to vote. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if you would know the answer to this question, but will they also be having something for election day in terms of having polls? Yes, yes. yes. In fact, there, it's not just an election day. You can do it uh, starting Monday. Mm -hmm, yes. uh, they're going to have a polling place here where you can come. And it's my understanding, and I've reached out to the election department in the Hidalgo County. Um, but I mean, I just arrived here too, just a couple months ago myself. So <laughs> I'm still getting accustomed to the, the community. But from what I heard, there's going to be a polling place where you can come and vote early. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when I was talking to another student about this, are you gonna vote early, are you gonna come the first day? I'm like, I'm like you know, I'm, I'm in such a habit. I like, I like the routine of waiting until election day. But what can sometimes happen is, and especially this is an issue here in Texas and other states as well, uh, the number of polling places has been reduced. Have you heard about this? Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, so, which, oh, okay, well, what does that mean, Bob? Well, it could mean that when you go to a polling place on election day, lines might be longer, it might take a longer time for you to actually get to vote. Um, so, I think I'm, this will probably be the first year I do it, but I'll probably vote early this year because this way to alleviate some of the strain yeah. on the local infrastructure with voting places. I mean, because setting up a polling place involves you have to get volunteers uh, to count mm -hmm. the, to set up the machines. They have to come early, stay late. Uh, oftentimes they're hand counting ballot. I think they use touch screens here in the Valley though. Is that? Yes. All right, so that's a little different. Um, I, haven't, I haven't done that yet. I've, I've used paper ballots every place I've voted, so this will be new for me. 
Um, By um, about reducing the places that you can vote, why do you think they do that? I know, it, yeah, you don't have to deal with volunteers, but making it harder for people to actually stress their vote, it's isn't that a bad thing? Um, if you frame it that way, right? If you if we if we can frame the issue and say whether it's reducing the number of polling places or requiring photo ID. Uh, this is something relatively new in our democracy, requiring photo ID to vote. Um, some interpret that as making it harder for people to vote. You're placing another obstacle in their path. Uh, maybe it's a photo ID that they might not have, or maybe it's a... Uh, time. Time. You know, thing. So making it easier to vote doesn't automatically mean you're making it easier to take advantage of the system. I mean, we can't get the people that are allowed to vote to vote. <laughs> um, this notion that, um, yeah, again, I don't want to get too partisan, but the president said, you know, well, I didn't win the popular vote because three million people voted illegally in California. I mean, there's no evidence of that. Uh, that's, that's not a partisan statement. It's this notion that there's widespread voter fraud, so we need to put more safeguards at the polling place, requiring ID, requiring certain kinds of photo ID. Uh, you know, we talked about this. Your your firearms card, your federal firearms card, will work in Texas for your photo ID. But your, but your student ID, your student ID won't work. You've got to have something with your address on it, right? And the age. Well. And your it has to be your age as well. Okay. Can I just print my address and age in the student name? Write it in. And and there's a one of the reasons that people who talk about requiring photo ID to to vote is an obstacle is that it tends to disproportionately affect certain groups: mm -hmm. students, minorities, people that live in the inner city, and the elderly. Um, they're more likely to not have the kinds of identification that uh, a strict voter ID state, like Texas does have a very strict voter ID law. Mm -hmm. um, some states are less strict, some states, I mean, some states have same day voter registration. Mm -hmm. You know, in Minnesota, where I lived for many years, that, that you could show up on the day of the polls. Uh, you still had to provide some sort of ID. It didn't necessarily have to be a photo ID, but some kind of, you know, a bill or, your bank statement, something with your address on it. Mm -hmm. But you can show up the same day. Uh, and Minnesota has some of the highest turnout in the nation, even on midterm elections. Is it directly caused because they have same-day voter registration? Uh, probably. I mean, some of that, that has some influence on it, that it boosts turnout uh, and, and encourages more people to vote. They go, oh, I forgot to register. Oh, but I can register the same day here in Texas. Someone today, right, the deadline was October 9th to register. Yes. Yes. Someone just said, to, oh, you registered to vote? And you go, oh, no, I didn't. Where can I do that? Oh, sorry, it's too late. You won't be able to do it this year. You're going to have to wait until mm -hmm. the next the election. election. You know? um, so there are, there are different ideas about whether it's a voter ID law or reducing the polling places. And <clears throat> people interpret it different. Uh, if you look at the, uh, the polling places and where they're being... Reduced, it tends to be in urban areas where lots of minorities live. And so, you know, you could be forgiven if you thought, well, gee, maybe they're trying to reduce the minority vote. And why would they do that? You know, um, they, these are quite, there's not, oftentimes there's not a cut and dry answer. You know, you have to interpret it and, mm -hmm. uh, and communicate that to the people you're talking to. I, this feels like it's, like you're really making it harder for certain kind of people. Um, and then say, is, is that your intention? And, and if not, is there another way to protect the vote? Because I don't think anyone, irrespective of the politics, wants to see massive voter fraud. Uh, no. People taking yeah. advantage of it. Uh, but th there's no evidence that there is massive voter fraud. Uh, so the voter ID laws that are, are designed to prevent... People showing up at the polls and pretending like they're someone else. Yeah. I mean, the, the sheer number of people you would have to organize to, to tilt <laughs> yes. the outcome of an election. I mean, that's a 
You're talking about heavy lifting. That would be a heavy lift mm -hmm. to get 3 million people to purposely commit a felony. This is not, you know, uh, in a, get it, like getting a ticket. This is a federal crime to, uh, to present yourself as someone who you are not during a federal election. I mean, that's a federal crime. That's a felony. Mm -hmm. So people willing to take that risk, organize millions of people to do it, so many so that you're tipping a national election. I mean, it just... That's just too much. Yeah. I mean, you can, <laughs> you can do it, but it, it's, po it's possible. I it's mean, highly unlikely. Yeah. You know, the probability of being able to do that and keeping it quiet. I mean, have you seen how <laughs> you, know, you can't keep your you know uh, things you do in your house quiet because you you know whether you got the volume up or you forgot to turn the curtains down. I mean, to keep something like that quiet. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, secret. It doesn't stay. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it has little merit. The idea. <laughs> the idea that you can do something like that would require. I mean, and I'm pretty sure it would have came up by now. Like if they have like any. Evidence. There has to be one person that messes up. Well, I mean, there have been cases. It's not that there's been but no cases of voter fraud. Yeah, but three million. But three million. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. have we? Have you seen people being that organized? Oh man! It, <laughs> Come on. Yeah, and people are busy. You know, you know what kind of time it takes to organize three million uh, people to do anything? I could I mean, be writing papers with it. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I think that that's... Um, uh, I don't think anyone is interested in making the integrity of the... Challenging the integrity of our vote. But um, our history as a country has been about expanding, getting more people to vote. Mm -hmm. uh, this, is a, this is something that... People, Democratic theorists have said, boy, it really would be better if more people voted. And yeah. the yeah. notion that, I mean, we can't even get the people that can vote legally to vote. Uh, the idea that people would vote and illegally is, and face a felony. I mean, what's, what's, their, what's their benefit? No. You know, um, well, they're getting checks from some secret society that, you know, the same guy that uh, finances those protests. Uh, I mean, really. <laughs> it, it strains credulity, shall we say. Mm -hmm. This is a university, after all. <laughs> Use the big words. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question. Yeah. Since I know a lot of first-year students are the... Well, anybody can listen to this podcast, but in terms of, like, I guess this might be a new experience for some people, what exactly do we need for election day or when we go show up to the booths or to the polls? What do we need to bring? So that way some people won't go and just be like, oh, I forgot this. There's no point in voting now. Um, in Texas, you need a photo ID. Photo ID, okay. Um, in fact, that's really all you need mm -hmm. um, to bring with you. They'll have ballots, or if it's touchscreen, you don't even need a pen and paper anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, you just need your photo ID. Okay. Now, the, the, okay. state, the Secretary of State, when you register, they send you a little yellow card that says you're, you're registered and... Um, you know, you're good to go. Bring this card with you, but you don't even have to bring that card. You just need your ID. Just our ID for yeah. Texas, because mm -hmm. I know. Um, I don't know. Maybe I was misinformed, but they said that you might need the voter registration card. Or... Yeah. I mean, if you have it, it's good to bring it. Um, just in case. Especially if you're voting early, mm -hmm. because if you're voting early in a place that's not normally your polling place, mm -hmm. you want to at least have some. Uh, in the case of what to bring, more is always, it's always better to have too much than not enough. Because, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you know, voting is already, a, 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 there's costs involved. So mm -hmm. if they say, well, go home and get three more things, uh, you know, that, that could be enough to send someone and go, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. I'll just, you know, I'm only one vote anyway. So, you know, I'll just go back home and watch the news. Mm -hmm. yeah, the that's... Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I just revealed that. On the, can you edit that out? Can you watch The Bachelor. Uh, it's a, a, it's a, it's a guilty people, pleasure. I, a lot of people watch The Bachelor. Do you? I mean, I. I'm a sitter. Let's do a podcast on The Bachelor. The Bachelorette. Oh my god. Yeah. But in terms of like. Uh, to the polls. Um, so for sure, photo ID. Mm -hmm. One that has, I think we mentioned the address. Your address, yeah. Um, I, the date of birth. So just for students who are listening right now, even if you're not a first year student, just representing who's planning on voting, make sure you have that. Um, Don't mess it up. And also, <laughs> <laughs> make sure you go out and vote, please. So if you guys are complaining you didn't vote, well, now you complain and now know that at least you tried. Have you seen those <laughs> the commercial where the guy's head shrinks? 
And they go, uh, he's just, oh, I'm compl- he's complaining about something. Oh, I know you guys don't watch TV anymore, your generation. Uh, anyway, yeah, there's, one, there's this public service message. The two people talking in the break room, you know, over coffee. And this one guy says, oh, you know, I'm mad about this and I'm mad about that and so on and so forth. And this other person, you know, is listening intently and says, well... I mean, have you registered to vote? Are you going to do... No, I haven't registered. And as soon as he says that, his head starts to shrink and his voice changes and gets real squeaky. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, well, I've got a voice, but no one can hear me now. Because, you know, he hasn't registered to vote. Yeah, if you don't exer- exercise or use your vote in a way, uh, you're not going to get anything done in a way. It's, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, in my class I say, you know, attendance is a minimal expectation that you'll come to class, right? So voting, you could say, is kind of a minimal expectation. That you show up at least. At least show up. Mm-hmm. At least. Show. And keep in mind, by the way, when you get your when you when you face this screen or you get your paper ballot, there are going to be offices on there that you didn't even know were going to be on there. You have no idea who the candidates are. You have no idea what the what the office does. I mean. Did you know that in Texas we still have a statewide railroad commissioner? Huh? We still. What? I mean, I if you've taken if you've, <laughs> if you've taken Paul's twenty three oh six, which is the Texas government, they'll tell you about all the. We have an agriculture commissioner. We have a land commissioner, but we still have a railroad commissioner. Hmm. And you go, oh, that's kind of. Well, what do I want in a railroad commissioner? I mean, have you, how how often have you thought about that? What do I really want if I? If I'm thinking about what's the best person to be the railroad commissioner, (laughs) is it just someone with a name or letters after their name or a master's degree or a college? I don't know what they. Um, So, don't be intimidated by the ballot and say, "Oh my God, this is so confusing." There's judges on here. There's school board members. There's city council people. I I don't know. I don't know all these. You can leave some things blank. You don't have to vote for everything. Um, And if you want to focus and concentrate on the on the big races, you know, the governor's up for re-election. The lieutenant governor, all the statewide executive offices are up for re-election this year. Um, so uh, if I had to, especially since we're only two weeks out and time is limited and students have enough to do, uh, if you're going to focus on one or two of those races, that would be great, you know. And, and re- it's not too late to reach out to candidates directly. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you won't get a response, but someone's probably reading your feedback at some point. It doesn't go into the trash can I wouldn't I'd hope it doesn't go into the trash can you know um, if they want to be in public office one of the reasons they want to be in public office is usually they want to serve and they want to know what the people that are electing the office what they want them to do so mm-hmm. and I know the what's what everybody's talking about at the moment is the the Beto versus Cruz. it's just it's getting a lot of attention yeah, yeah um, do you happen to be able to Summarize, I guess, the two views because I know I have like many friends of my own who are kind of split between the two parties, or I still don't really know like who who's about what. Mm-hmm. So, would you mind giving us like at least some ideas on what they both these people are complaining about for people who are? Uh, sure, uh, we could talk in broad strokes. Um, uh, Senator Cruz, who's the incumbent, which is, just means he's the one who's there, right? He's running for re-election. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Republican, same party as the president. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to prefer fewer uh, governmental regulations um, mm-hmm. on business, on industry. Um, they tend to prefer a smaller government. They tend to prefer lower taxes. Um, uh, Senator Cruz... Uh, uh, and the president tend to agree that we need a 30-foot, 2,000-mile wall um, across the southern border. That's still a thing. I mean, it is. Uh, and uh, in the debates that came up, uh, Senator Cruz still says, you know, a wall is part of enforcing our immigration laws. Um, and some people... You know, have strong faith in a physical barrier that might prevent people from crossing the border illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be too flippant, but they do have things called ladders. Yeah, you know? I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, I don't you know. Again, I, yeah. Yeah. It, some people have argued this that there's plenty of other ways than just 
crossing over the I mean, you, there's tunnels, there's over. I mean, you can build a catapult and shoot people. I mean, it would be dangerous, right? Net, net on the other side. Um, but uh, there are also people who, the, the coyotes, that take, mo- take money from people. If people want to come, they're going to find, find a way. way. And, and one of the things I think it's important to mention is that um, oftentimes it's American business that are advertising in papers south of the border saying, we need workers, you know, if you want opportunity, come across. We'll work out all the legal stuff later. You know, don't worry about that. Just come on, come on across. Um, So uh, when it comes to the border, um, Congressman O'Rourke was asked last night, you know, do you believe, we, we hear on television commercials, we hear in the rhetoric that Democrats want open borders. Everyone can come across, no enforcement. We want to abolish immigrations and customs of force. I mean, this is some of the rhetoric that's out there. Um, And he said very explicitly, I mean, he gave a little bit longer answer, but he started off with, I am not for open borders. I am not for no laws uh, that require people to go follow a process in order to come into the country. Um, But it's a complicated issue. when you talk about the border, especially in this region, which is a big issue, of course, mm-hmm. um, we're not just talking about illegal immigration of people coming across uh, for one reason or another. Some people are coming across to be reunited with their families. Some people are coming across to go to school. Some people are coming across to get those jobs that are being advertised uh, south of the border. Some people are coming across or coming to the border Seeking asylum, mm-hmm. uh, seeking, trying to escape um, circumstances of war and poverty and violence and drug cartel activity and lots of other. So there's different groups. It's hard it, and it's complicated, right? I mean, we could do it in a 30 minute podcast. We could talk about immigration the whole time. Mm-hmm. But how much time does the average voter have to, to, to invest, to, to discern? So they tend to look for shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Right? What we would call in because we like big words in, in the academy, we call those heuristics, a shortcut. So they'll go, well, Republicans sound better to me, so whoever the Republican is, I don't even have to do the investigation, I'm just going to check the Republican box. Or uh, the Democrat sounds better to me, so that's my shortcut, that's my heuristic. Uh, I'm going to just all the Democrats, and I'm going to pick those. Well, I know that voting is either Monday or in two weeks, but... Do you think uh, the caravan that is moving from Honduras? Oh, Honduras. Yeah, I was like, wait, that's not the name of the country. <laughs> um, do you think that is going to have an impact on what the people are going to vote on? It, it's possible. Uh, it's possible. It's already being used as rhetoric. I know the president was talking about it at a rally in Montana, I believe it was, yes. uh, saying that uh, you know there's this is an or- this is an organized effort uh, to challenge American sovereignty at the border and it's being financed by, I mean, there's lots of conspiracy. <laughs> Look, let's be honest, right? It's a, you know, who's paying for all these people to come? Oh my, you know, someone with dark intentions. I mean, really? You know, uh, yeah. is, that, is that what the goal is? And if you think, when you hear a thousand, there's a thousand person caravan come or 10,000 person caravan coming to the border, um, which sounds like a lot, right? But you go, well, don't we have 327 million people in the United mm-hmm. States? Yeah. I mean, the notion that uh, another 10,000 is going to tip our resources. And I mean, it's a complicated issue. It's very emotional. <laughs> it's controversial, oh, yeah. right? Um, I'm not suggesting that uh, it, it's not a concern. Of course it is. Uh, resources are finite. Uh, um, uh, some would argue, well, how can we always find money for military activity, but we can't seem to find the money for Pell Grants or immigration? Because or... that's where they go. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, a, it's about priorities. Yeah. All right. So, um, but to get back to the question about, you know, the, some of the issues, the immigration is an issue, mm-hmm. uh, the economy is an issue. Um, the, the president and uh, Senator Cruz have both said, you know, the economy is booming and uh, it's doing so well. Now, who gets the credit for that? 
him. The president. Yeah. He's a figurehead, right? He's kind of a symbol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's uh, eager to claim that credit, too, isn't he? I mean, you know, all the unemployment's <laughs> the best certificate. Everything that is good, tremendous. he claims. It's, we've never seen it like this before. It's, it's, <laughs> no, it's wonderful. It's, it's tremendous, right? It's the most luxurious. Um, <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's important, and I think, you know, in a political science class, for example, it's, we should look at the data. And the trend had been going in the same direction it was going already, uh, despite some of the rhetoric in the 2016 campaign, oh, we're you know we're we never win anymore. This was what the president said: we never win. Everyone's laughing at us. We never win anything anymore. But unemployment was already going down. We had a we had a massive recession in 2008, 2009, the worst since the Great Depression, um, according to most economists. So recovery from that, uh, which we did recover, you know, technically we recovered relatively early, but the echoes of the economic challenge continued for many years beyond when the recession officially ended, you know. Um, but since then, jobs have been being created. Uh, it, it wasn't just the current president's action since he's been in office that has led to the historically low unemployment, which it is. It's actually, he's absolutely correct mm-hmm. when he says unemployment is at historic lows. It really is. Um, who gets the credit? Well, it depends on who you ask. You know, I mean, if you ask a, if you ask a, a, a very strong Republican, it's obviously the president, the, President Trump's, uh, his action and his, and his leadership has led to this. Uh, others would say, well, you know, the trend was already going in that direction. Uh, unemployment was already at below 5% before he took office, uh, and it's continued to go down. Um, some have argued that his economic policies, the, uh, the tariffs in particular on foreign products, has resulted in some job losses. Uh, on balance, uh, jobs are still being created every month. Uh, that's always a good sign. Um, sometimes it depends on how you frame it. You know, we did that the other day in class. Yeah. You know, oh man, we've got four percent unemployment. We've still got to work on it. Well, what if we said, hey, did you know we had ninety-six percent employment? You know, it, it depends yeah, on how you feel it, right? It's the same data, but it's how it's framed. Right? So, I mean, that's that's another another issue is, uh, um, you know, this military spending can be an issue. Uh, education is certainly an issue. Um, and each candidate has differing views. Uh, um, some more conservative policy would suggest that school choice is important. Um, meaning that students shouldn't have to be forced to go to the public school in their neighborhood. They shouldn't have choice if they want to go to a private school. You know, I mean, their local property taxes generally go to fund K-12 education, so maybe they should get some of that money that they're paying in property taxes and use it towards tuition for a school of their choice that's not a public school. Um, that's an idea. That's actually a good idea. Well, uh, yeah, and... The, and um, Choice is always, it sounds great, right? Um, we should have more choice. Um, what some education advocates would argue, though, is we don't want that choice to result in taking more resources from public schools, which have already seen their resources dwindle mm-hmm. year after year after year. Um, public, public higher education, in tech, not just in Texas, across the country, states who created these wonderful institutions, um, have been reducing their investment in higher education. Uh, their University of Texas, uh, Austin, used to rely on uh, less on, tu- on tuition and more on state appropriations from the state legislature, saying we're giving uh, X amount of dollars for this university to operate. Those state appropriations have not kept up with costs. So that's why you see tuition going up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I don't know if I, I think I said it here, but when I went to school, First time in 1986, I don't know, long time ago. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was $5,000 a year, all in. That included room, board, tuition. What? Yeah. Wow. Uh, you can't see this on the radio, but her mouth fell open. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it was, part of that was, of course, because things just cost more in the future. But part of it is also that states just invested more in their higher education uh, 
institutions of higher education. Um, and now they're relying a lot more on tuition, which means that students, unless you're, I know my family couldn't write a $15,000 check every year for tuition, uh, that means more student debt, which limits your op opportunities when you get out of school. Um, so, so that's, I mean, some of these issues, it's not just this election, it's every election, you know. Mm -hmm. How do we feel uh, uh, education policy was handled in the last two, three years? And is there something we can, is there some statement we can make uh, with our vote this year mm -hmm. to address that issue? Sometimes the answer is uh, maybe not this year. But when will be the year? That... You, do it, you do it between elections, Alan. I mean, that's the thing, right? You keep the pressure on. And that's you... where we come in. Yeah. Um, Use our voice. And not just, absolutely go vote. That's the minimum. And then after that, you say, look, keep up. How, do we, how do we get state legislatures to appropriate more money for higher ed? To alleviate the finance? It's a burden. Um, and I'm speaking with direct experience. I don't even want to tell you how much I owe in higher education student loans. It's a lot. <laughs> um, you know, I went all the way. So that, I mean, that was that too, right? Uh, but it's not, uh, what's the average student comes out with? $35,000 in debt? Something like that? $25,000 in debt? Uh, I, don't quote me. I don't know the exact figure, but that's a lot of debt. Uh, it can be an intimidating sum. We're just taking it to <laughs> Well, and this, maybe this is a good, if, if I can maybe shoot off a little bit and say, keep in mind that once you get out of school, there are repayment options. Mm -hmm. um, so don't necessarily get thrown off by that sticker price. I mean, it's the cost of a home in some places, you know, 30, 25, 35,000. Um, there are repayment plans that are income-based. So don't despair <laughs> as, you're, as you're approaching graduation, like, Maybe I should just keep going to school so I don't have to pay those student loans back. You know? <laughs> but uh, there are income-adjusted repayment uh, programs, at least for federal student loans. I know there's private loans, too, so uh, I can't really speak to that. But uh, as far as the federal student loans go, there are options. So don't, don't despair. Oh, my God, I'm leaving school with forty, fifty thousand 50000 in debt. I'll never be able to buy a house. I'll never... Let me just say, with my student debt burden... I was able to buy a house. I'm still able to eat, which is good, <laughs> right? Um, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I don't have cable TV, but uh, sacrifices have to be made. That's fine. Um, but I have internet at home. So, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not living in a lean-to, you know? <laughs> well, I guess since we're approaching the end of our podcast, I just want to, like, go over, like, the major points we touched up on for, like, our students that are listening. Make a group and just vote. <laughs> Do your part, not just on election day. You also yeah. have to no. make sure you're during the vote. Yeah. Like, like, as election goes. Mm -hmm. So it will be before election, exercise your voice by talking to a representative. Election day, go and vote. After you already voted, you're going to have to email him every single day. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> phone calls. I mean, yeah. be best friends with your senator. Yeah, yeah. Well, well th I think about it also, right? Um, if, you, if you want to lose weight or build your body up and, and get into better shape, mm -hmm. it requires a constant effort, right? Yes. And if you want your democracy to be more, if you want to be your government, it requires some regular, maybe not every day. You know? mm. I don't necessarily email him every day, but... Um, you know, keeping regular contact. It's to make it consistent. Absolutely. Keep doing your research. Like when you want to go out and your parents tell you no, do the same thing. Try a tantrum and you'll see what happens. Stay informed. Yeah, because yeah, staying informed because this is like a very important thing. Like our futures are basically governed by the government. Yeah, and the government, so it's handled by you. We are the ones who decide who goes to the government. So, just for like our students, because I feel like more of our students could be more involved. I think this is why this discussion is so important. Um, stay informed, register to vote. If you can, still do that. Right? If you can, <laughs> if not, talk to your neighbors. Make sure your neighbors vote. Whoever is registered to vote, please vote. And um, I know we've discussed a lot of politics today. But I feel like that's good for us since a lot of people don't know about these issues. But I'm glad we were able to touch up on that. Well, think about this also. I mean, if there's ever a 
place that we should be talking politics. Mm-hmm. It's in the university. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you don't want to talk with grumpy Uncle Ralph at Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner about politics, but in the university, you know, we should. We this is where we're. This is the institution of higher learning. You know? We, we <laughs> so should be talking, about, to be talking about. And, and it is controversial. I, I don't make any bones about it. It can make people uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. how else do we grow? Mm-hmm. You know, how else do we learn? I mean, it takes, you have to, it's just like working out, right? And obviously I'm not huge on working out. You can't see that, thankfully, but. Um, you will cut your brain. Oh, yes. So I've got plenty of muscle, muscle up muscle. there. You know? <laughs> well, I, I'm just basically just some other thing we, we wanted our listeners to know. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. I wish we had more time, but you know, it's we'd probably go on all. I mean, we kind of have a <laughs> go on for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but politics is something that us ourselves we have to do our own part. Like we could have a whole discussion about it now, but in the end, it comes down to us. What are we going to do about it? So it's a very individual type of deal. It can be a group thing, like how we just. Just be right now, but in the end, it depends on us. Like, what do we do about it? So, thank you for joining us here today. And if there aren't any more final points, do you feel better? Well, thank you guys for listening. This concludes our podcast. Thank you, everybody. Thank, thank you. you.